So I'm just going to talk from my heart. You guys got the notes. But I need you guys to help me tonight pray. Here at the end, we're going to pray for deliverance for people. Specifically, those that are going to be listening to this or watching this later on beyond this service. That this is going to be a point of contact for your freedom. And I thank you, Lord, that there's going to be breakthrough. I believe for breakthrough in every life. In Jesus' mighty name. I want you guys tonight to be used to help me pray in that way later when we get to it. But you know, we pray that we'll become more like Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, even though you may get delivered and free from some things, just because you're free doesn't mean that your life is going to be some kind of cakewalk. And Christianity is a difficult life. It's challenging. And it has a lot of aspects to it that, you know, are really going to require our death to self and us diving deep into the Lord and learning how to walk in victory. And the Christian life is difficult. So I don't want anybody to think and get some kind of romantic notion that just because you get a breakthrough and you get delivered from some things, that that automatically means that your life is just going to be some kind of cakewalk because it's not. We don't live in some kind of little glass bubble. But the Lord has got us. You know, we're not like a, a hothouse plant. You know, a lot of times you see these greenhouses... And everything's so controlled, the environment's so controlled. But the Lord doesn't have hot house plants. He has us out where we're behind enemy lines and we're facing difficulties many times on every side. Amen? And we want to be like Jesus. We say, Lord, make us more like Jesus. Help us become more like Jesus. But what you've got to understand, when you look at the life of Jesus... You see, once he began his ministry, and specifically once the Holy Spirit came upon him, from that moment, from that moment, his life began facing spiritual warfare and persecution like you wouldn't believe. And I'm telling you that once the Spirit of God comes upon you in power, God anoints you, he clothes you with power from that moment. You're a threat to the enemy. And you're going to begin to face things. I'm telling you now, tonight... Those of you that feel a call into the ministry, especially those that are listening, those that are going to be watching this. I know there are people tonight that couldn't be here tonight, but you're probably going to be listening to this. But I'm telling you, once God comes upon you in power, your life will never be the same. But let me say this, for those that are called into the ministry, that I want you to give me your best ear tonight regarding this sermon because you're probably not going to hear this too many places. When I was in Bible school, it was good. I learned the theology. I learned things I need to learn. But Bible school does not deal with a lot of this. I'm going to be dealing with Okay, They did not teach us how to have a rich, powerful prayer life. That's why I'm really big on that. And I push that a lot to you guys. They did not teach us how to operate under the anointing. They didn't teach us about spiritual warfare. They didn't teach us about... You know, healing the sick and driving out demons. We didn't learn about it. We learned about it in, in theory, but we didn't learn about it hands-on. And so when you get out there into the ministry, reality slaps people in the face like a wet rag. And all of a sudden, it's, it's there. You've got to deal with it. And this is where I'm coming from tonight. This is stuff that I didn't learn in Bible school, but I did learn through experience. 
And so I want you, those that are calling to the ministry, I really want you to take notes and really get this into your heart tonight. And let this be something where God does a deep work in you. Because you're going to need this. Everybody say this after me. I'm going to need this. If you're called to ministry, you will need this one day. You will need this for the people that you minister to. But Jesus' life and His ministry, if you're going to pray and be like Jesus, let me tell you this. Not only did Jesus face spiritual warfare and persecution on every side. I mean, His life was marked with controversy. People, You understand, during Jesus' day when He was here, and he was ministering. People were constantly talking about him, but they were saying all kinds of crazy stuff that wasn't true. All kinds of crazy stuff. And, and Jesus' life was marked with controversy. It continually surrounded him all the time. And toward the end of his ministry, he was about to go to the cross. And what you see is he had to go through a major betrayal... He was forsaken by friends and one of his top men denied him and in doing so denied the faith. So what constitutes a true betrayal? It's somebody that you're really close to. Somebody that you poured your life to. Jesus, um, Judas to Jesus would have been not only a spiritual son for sure, but somebody that he spent a lot of time with. I mean, ate with and, and poured his life into. And, and Judas was there praying for the sick and they were being healed. He was there casting demons out of people. He ministered with Jesus and saw everything that Jesus did and yet at the end stuck a knife in his back. Peter, who was one of his top men, at the end he denied the faith. And so we pray to be like Jesus, but you got to understand there's aspects to this Christianity into the ministry that you're not going to hear about a lot of times. And I'm trying to warn you and tell you that it's there. And how you handle it will determine your future. Because Satan knows this. He knows that if he can get people bitter, and if you're taking notes, write down bitter and rebellious. Those are the two things right there. Satan knows if he can get people bitter or he can get them rebellious, he knows that God will not be able to use them. So that's the goal of the enemy is to make everybody he can bitter or rebellious. And whenever God allows you to go through these things and you begin to go through trials in life and you go through betrayals and and challenges and, and you face all the things that are going on out there, you're going to have an opportunity to die to self and become more like Jesus than you've ever been or you're going to have an opportunity to become bitter and rebellious and at a place where God just simply cannot use you. He wants to, but He can't. He cannot use a bitter person. He cannot use a rebellious person. So when these things come, allow yourself to become more humble, more broken, and become more like Jesus and get closer to the Lord through the trials that we're all going to face. Alright, so I'm going to talk about some things very controversial tonight. I'm talking about spiritual warfare and deliverance. I'm continuing in my series on seductions of Satan where I'm talking about the end times. I'm talking about spiritual warfare and exposing the enemy. Now, a gate of hell, as I've talked about already, a gate is an entryway, so a door. You know, the Bible says specifically not to give the devil a doorway, not to give him a foothold into your life. But many people have 
And that's why I'm telling you, those that are, especially those of you who are called into the ministry, you need to hear me because we're living in a time when people come to Jesus, it's not like it used to be a hundred years ago. Okay, you're living in a time when people come to Jesus, they have all kinds of baggage in their life that they need to get delivered of. And people have given a door to the devil's kingdom. They, they've opened, they've allowed a gate of hell to swing open. And they've allowed things in their life. Some of it may not be their fault, especially if it's generational. Because it's traveled down family bloodlines. But a lot of us, okay, there's hardly anybody that's going to be able to say, Well, Pastor Scott, you know, um, I lived this perfect life. I was this little saint. I never did anything wrong. And my family on both sides was the same way. Nobody can say that. Everybody that comes to Jesus knows that they've got a lot of junk in their past and their family has got a lot of history. Amen? And so your past sins have opened up doorways for the enemy. And you know, let me say this, and I want everybody to hear this statement. The way your life is right now is a result of the way that you have been living. Now, your future will be determined by the way you're living now. Let me say that again. The way your life is right now, it has everything to do with the way that you lived yesterday. And the way that you're going to choose to start living now will determine your tomorrow. So these gates of hell have swung open in people's lives. The enemy has come in. Now here's some areas where the enemy can be at work. Number one, he can definitely be at work in family bloodlines generationally. And everywhere that the enemy is at work, there's always going to be some kind of a ruler spirit. Are you hearing me? So, for example, in a family bloodline, there's usually some kind of a ruling spirit that's there. Also, anything in your life that you've opened the door to. And I'm going to come back to this later in the sermon. But literally, a house, an apartment, whatever, a living place can be a place where the enemy's at work. Land can be defiled and oppressed. A workplace can be oppressed by spirits. It can be. I'm not saying all of them are. Some of them are wonderful. But you can have an oppression at some workplaces. Definitely schools. I'm not necessarily talking about elementaries per se, but there's very few high schools and college campuses where I've ever been ever where I didn't sense an oppression and a spirit about that place that was not of God. Neighborhoods can be influenced and oppressed by the enemy. Even a church can be. I'll come back to that stuff later. So I want to talk about cleansing your life. Now when you look at your life, and this is for people, you're going to be hearing this, you may be driving down the road, you're listening to this, you may be watching this on the internet, whatever. When you look at your life, are you really seeing freedom? Are you seeing um, the ability to really walk in righteousness? Are you living a holy life? Are you able to have victory? Are your 
Look at your life. Are you walking in health? Are you walking in prosperity? Is your life blessed? Because sometimes there's an area where the enemy has penetrated and it has caused an oppression or an influence there that is not of God. It's not God's plan for your life. Jesus said that the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give life. The way that you're going to get victory is, number one, is through repentance. And let me say this too. Those of you that have never been through personal deliverance, where you had somebody walk you through your life, and your family history, and you prayed about all that, you really dealt with it, got her in the blood, you need to do that. That's very important. I know, spiritually speaking, I wouldn't be where I'm at without that. I know my wife wouldn't. I know people that are with me in ministry would not be at all where they're at today if it wasn't for that. Because that's the individual deliverance where you go through and you clean house and get everything out that needs to go. Okay? But the first way that you're going to get a breakthrough, whether it's generationally, whether it's something that you moved into a house and all of a sudden things or something's off, maybe your, your workplace, something's off, something in your life you can tell that there's a hindering spirit, there's an oppression, something is not right. The way that you're going to get the victory, number one, is by repenting and confessing of the sin that allowed it. See, if you got into, let's just pick this, if you got into witchcraft at one time in your life, you allowed something in. You allowed a curse, you allowed a spirit, and now you may be, you become a Christian, but there's something that's hovering there. And you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I ask forgiveness for that, and I repent of it, I renounce it. That's the first step to getting free. And if you want to cleanse uh, a location, maybe a workplace, maybe... Um, land that's been under some kind of a curse because something happened there in the past. Maybe some kind of a dwelling like a house or an apartment. There's something there and you know it. You just feel it. The way that you're going to, number one, get the victory is by cleansing that and asking the Lord, wash this place in your blood. Are you hearing me? There's personal repentance where you confess your sins, but there's vicarious repentance where you're praying on behalf of whatever happened. And I'll give you an example. Let's say that there was something, there was a murder that had taken place in a house, and there's no doubt you move in there, there's something there, there's a spirit of death, and you just it just doesn't feel right. It's like a family moves into that house, and all of a sudden now, they can't get along. For the first time, there's fighting. They, they seem like their finances are hit. They seem like people are, are sick. And others are having nightmares and they just know something's not right. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I know in this house that there's a history and I want to ask forgiveness and ask you to wash this house, this, this land, this place. Wash it in your blood from any sin, any rebellion, anything that has been here that has not pleased you, let it be clean. Once you do that, the cleansing, the washing, that's the first step to freedom. And it's the same thing about geographic areas. You know, ministers are called to certain areas. Listen, if you want to really start seeing revival and a breakthrough in your region, you need to get some people together in a prayer meeting, and you need to get before God, and you need to confess the sins of that region before God. Are you hearing me? That's important. 
That is what's called vicarious repentance, but that brings a breakthrough. That's what Daniel did in Daniel chapter 9. The children of Israel had went into captivity. Daniel was a righteous man. He didn't do anything. But even though it was other people that had sinned, he went before God in Daniel chapter 9 and said, God, we have sinned before you. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for the sins of our ancestors. He confessed the sins of the fathers. And once Daniel prayed like that, he went before God. He was a watchman on the wall. He was standing in the gap for Israel. He was somebody that associated himself. He got under the weight and the burden of the sin that was there. He associated himself with it. He confessed it before God. And what's the promise? God said, if my people will humble themselves and pray, okay, and repent of their evil ways, he said, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Heal their land. So he says, if my people, so as you, as God's child, will go before God, and you will associate yourself with a place, a region, a city, a house, whatever it is, and you say, Lord, I ask forgiveness for the sin, the rebellion, anything that's been here, and you list it out. I'm telling you that's a very powerful thing, and you're applying the blood of Jesus over that place, that land, that geography, that city, that region, and I promise you it will bring a breakthrough. The reason why the heavens are brass over something, the reason why there's a curse, the reason why the enemy has a, a, some kind of a bondage there is because of the sin that allowed it in the first place. So by dealing with the sin and confessing the sin before God, you are removing the enemy's right to continue to do that. And God will honor those prayers. And the sins that usually allow the enemy influence, not only would you say sin and rebellion, but any type of sexual sin, the occult, idolatry, witchcraft, broken vows, where people have broken commitments and vows that they made, bloodshed, these things can open the door for something. Another, After you deal with the sin and you get the sin cleansed, if you want to get free as an individual, you're going to have to do it. If you want your family free, you need to do it on behalf of your family. If you want your house free, whatever it is. You know, some of you want revival in your school. Let me tell you, how to number one, how you can start seeing it is to get there and start praying and fasting and humbling yourself and get on your face before God there at that school and start confessing all the sin before Him. Ask Him to forgive and wash and to send His Spirit. And I promise you that God will start breaking some things through for you. The next thing that you have to do, and this is seen, this repentance and, and the cleansing of sin. You remember in Matthew 9, 5, Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees got so ticked off. Who does he think he is? And Jesus said, well, what's easier? To say his sins are forgiven or get up and walk? He was a cripple. And Jesus said, just so you'll believe, get up and walk too. But see, there was a connection. Why would Jesus, the man was crippled and he was there seeking healing. Why did Jesus even go there about your sins are forgiven? Because there was a connection. Are you hearing me? 
Do you remember when Jesus healed the man at the pool? And the man got up, took his mat, and left. And Jesus saw him later in the temple. And Jesus said this to him. He said, make sure that you don't continue to sin, lest something worse come on you. Are you hearing me? There's a connection. Sometimes there's a strong connection with what's going on in somebody's life with the sin that has been allowed. So after the sin is cleansed, the next thing you do is you destroy the works of the devil. The Bible says whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have authority, Luke 10, 19, to trample on snakes and scorpions, overcome all the power of the enemy. I love 1 John 3, 8. It says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. Amen? Up until that time, nobody had done what Jesus was doing. There were prophets, there were people that preached the word, they, they, maybe they, they saw a few healings here and there, things like that. But when Jesus came, he came preaching the kingdom of God is upon you, and he came with authority and power. He literally was a window for what was in heaven to be released through him in the earth. And he broke the power of poverty and would bring abundant provision. In situations where there was only a handful of fish and a couple loaves of bread, Jesus supernaturally saw multiplication. He saw prosperity and abundance, supernaturally. He defied the laws of nature, literally walking on water, and he brought healing and deliverance. And what he was doing was he was walking in the authority of the kingdom of God. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. Every time that he brought healing and deliverance, whatever, to people's lives, he was destroying the works of the devil and he was replacing them with his works. And we have authority to destroy the works of the devil. We have authority to bring healing to the sick, to bring deliverance to the captives, and literally break off people's lives' curses. You know how a curse acts? Every time somebody feels like that they're getting ahead or they're finally moving beyond something, every time they start feeling like I'm, I'm getting out of this, I'm moving forward, it's like this invisible hand reaches in like a shadow figure hand and just pulls them right back. They feel like they take two steps forward just to end up three back every time. And that's a sign of a curse. Jesus has given us authority to destroy any curse, any yoke, any stronghold, any bondage, any addiction, and whatever work of Satan that there is to break it and destroy it. Amen. Amen. You have the authority. We need to start rising up and using it. After you repent and deal with sin, then you destroy the works of the devil. See, the reason why there's a curse there, a bondage there, some kind of an addiction, some kind of a yoke. The reason why it's there is because of the sin somewhere, either the person's sin, generational sin, whatever. Once that sin is cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb, then there's no more right we can break the power of that filth off people's lives. After you break that curse or that yoke, whatever it is, the next thing you need to do is drive out the enemy. Too many times people are trying to counsel... And the problem is deliverance. The church in America 
bless his heart, I don't know what's going on, but it's it. When you read the book of Acts, and you really get it, it's like you're living the book of Acts. You're reading it, you're studying it, and then you look at American Christianity. I mean, it's just like what in the world's going on? And people are trying to counsel. They're trying to talk about it. If I just share my feeling, all these things, and they're just trying to do all this stuff to get free, and it's not going to work. They're going to have to break the power of that thing off their life. Somebody's going to have to do it. The reason why there's addictions and people can't break free is because there's a spirit. And many times ministers are trying, they're, they're spinning their wheels, trying over and over and over to counsel people. People they're ministering to that are dealing with all kinds of marital problems. They're, they're, somebody's struggling uh, with pornography. Another person's struggling with, with, with this uh, addiction over here. And then there, there's this problem and this problem and this health problem that's stubborn and this financial problem over here. And the whole time it's like, listen, if... If you would stop trying to counsel it and just break the power of what the devil is doing and send the enemy fleeing, the person is going to be free. It's going to break off their life and they're going to start moving in the freedom that Jesus paid for them to have. The Lord wants people free. He paid for it. He paid a dear price for it. But many people have never gone through some kind of a personal deliverance and got it all out there. I love, you know, there's people that come to me and I give them this questionnaire that we do and they fill it out. And I love just the, the comments afterward because they tell me so many times, I feel so different. Because in the first time in their life, they've had somebody walk through their whole life and their family history and get everything under the blood of Jesus. I mean, just that alone. And many times they'll tell me that I feel clean on the inside. Or they'll say, I feel like a heavy weight is lifted off me. They're just, they're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And hearing all the testimonies of people that have been healed, that have been set free from things. But Jesus said, if you're going to deal with these things, you've got to deal with the strong man first. Mark 16, 17 says, These signs will follow them that believe in my name, they'll drive out demons. But Jesus taught us that you've got to deal with the strong man first. Remember that. You have to deal with the strong man. If you don't, it's going to be stubborn. And then the last thing is commanding the enemy to restore and to take out what they've done. I remember this guy saying that um, he was a powerful man of God, saw a tremendous amount of people healed from cancer. And I was listening to the way he would pray. And he would command the spirit of cancer. He would say, you put it in their body. You take it out and get out of them right now in Jesus' name. And they would go to the doctor and the doctor would say, There's, the cancer's gone. Reinhard Bonnke would always pray, you know, the spirit of such and such to go. A spirit of deafness, a spirit of blindness. Because a lot of times what it is, it is a spirit. In fact, I would say from my experience, about 80% of the health problems out there have to do with some kind of a spirit somewhere. I'm not saying all of it, but probably about 80%. In Jesus, or rather in the book of Proverbs, it teaches us that a thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. Amen? Alright, 
So when Jesus came, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed. Everybody say the anointing. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that sees people set free. That's why Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good, healing all oppressed of the devil. So the way the Bible views all the different people Jesus' ministry touched is there was some kind of an oppression to the devil. That's the way the Bible views it. And when Jesus came to them, he came to destroy the works of the devil and he saw the captive set free. What did it say about Jesus? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free. He came to set the captives free and recovery of sight to the blind. And Jesus came bringing healing and deliverance. I'm dealing more with deliverance at this time. But a yoke is something that ties you together with something else. If you've ever seen two horses and they're yoked together and they're pushing a carriage or pulling a carriage, they have that yoke there and that yoke brings them together. And let me tell you, this this business of yokes is serious. That's why Isaiah 10, 27 says that it's the anointing that will destroy the yoke. People have allowed themselves, because of sin or whatever, they've gotten yoked to something. They've gotten tied to it. It's a connection. And that's very strong when you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit. But it's a yoke. It's something that connects a person with the enemy. But you know also, Jesus said this. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you're either going to be yoked to the Lord or yoked to the enemy. Amen? Now, the Lord wants to set you free. So if there's a yoke of the enemy that's there somewhere, it needs to be broken. Signs of a yoke many times have to do with insecurities, feeling worthless, having a codependent, where you feel like you need somebody, you need man's approval. It works a lot in those areas and also areas where somebody feels like they can't get free from something in their life. They can't shake it. It's because it's a yoke many times. Curses need to be broken. See, here's the thing. When a yoke is broken, you need to replace it with a mantle. You need to replace it with the anointing. And let me say something for all those that want to minister in deliverance. You better replace whatever it is that you're getting rid of, you better replace it with something from the Lord because the enemy, Jesus taught us that the enemy will leave and try to get seven more and try to come back. You need to replace it. If you break a curse, you need to speak a blessing. You need to reverse things, but you need to make sure that you don't leave this void, this vacuum where the enemy can try to come back at a later time. But curses need to be broken. I'll come back to that as well here in a moment. Now I'm about to get into different areas that are doors for the enemy. But let me say this. Many times, I think that people don't even really realize. Let me say it a different way. One day when we're out of here... I hope I see the rapture, but regardless, I'm, I'm going to be going upward one day. When that happens, I think that when all of you, okay, experience that, I think one of the greatest things that you're probably going to notice 
and you can come to me and tell me if I was right. But I think one of the greatest things you're going to notice is this release from any type of influence or oppression around your life of the enemy. Because listen, we live, literally live behind enemy lines. And I don't think any of us really realize how much that is continually in the airwaves. The Bible calls the enemy the prince of the powers of the air. And many people have no idea just how much static is in the air, so to speak, around them. And when we get out of here, and we're on the other side of this thing, I think all of us are just going to be like taking this deep breath of release that, man, all that's gone. It's just not there anymore. Because it's like many times people don't even realize how much it's really there. Some people have never, they, they've come to Christ but they've never cleansed their life, spiritually speaking. They've never gone through any type of inner healing and deliverance. And they walk around, it's like they, they're carrying this weight, this, this backpack. They're washed in the blood, but they're carrying this heavy weight with them all the days of their life. And they're hobbling along, and the Lord wants to use them to do great things, but they barely can even get along, spiritually. They're under a weight. Many people don't even realize it, but they're, they're being... Something is resisting them. They come to Christ. They want to they want to make a difference. They want to be a witness at school. They want to be a witness in the workplace. But while they're they're out and they're in different places, they don't realize that the spirit, the prevailing spirit that's there is resisting them. Are you hearing me? And there's a hierarchy. There's echelons. I don't care what anyone says. I know this. When Jesus came and died on the cross, it was enough. It was enough. It was enough. It was enough to be free and it was enough to conquer. The Bible says, occupy until I come. And his blood's enough. It's enough to set you free and it's enough to bring revival to a region and a nation. It's enough. We need to start rising up in the authority that we have and begin to take land and do what the Lord has called us to do. Battles are won spiritually. Paul clearly taught us, you know, the, the Ephesian church was a church that was born in the fires of revival. And after this series, I'm going to do a series on that. I really believe I am. I feel it in my spirit. But it's, it's a church that was born in Acts chapter 19 in the white hot fires of revival. Signs and wonders like you wouldn't believe. While that, why do you think that the Apostle Paul had such a revelation to the Ephesian church about spiritual warfare? That is the main book on spiritual warfare in all of his writings. Why? Because he knew when he went into that area where that principality of Diana was, and he brought revival, he was facing all this intense spiritual warfare, and God taught him about it, and he wrote about it. And he knew that the church in Ephesus needed to know about it so that they could keep the fires of revival burning and keep taking ground. Amen? If you're called, you know, it's what, you need to get free yourself. But if you're called to see other people set free, if you're called to make a difference in a city, you will eventually face the spirit over that city. I laugh at these people that think, well, you know, if I go hide my head in the sand and I don't, you know, I don't tick anybody off, I'm just going to leave them alone, they leave me alone type of attitude. Ma'am, okay, but I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a point in time 
where they're going to get a belly full of you and what you're doing, and there's going to be a fight. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but wouldn't that be nice if you could just live in some kind of in-between, you know, where, where nothing bad could happen and, and there was no trials and there was no spiritual warfare. Just, just leave them alone, they'll leave us alone. Wouldn't that be nice? But they're not going to hold to that. See, world ruling spirits blanket the earth with their influence. Principalities are set over regions and nations and places, cities. The word principality comes from a Greek word, arche, where we get architect. You know how they work? They're the ones that sit back and strategize against churches and ministers and ministries. They're the ones that sit back like a general, a commanding general. They're not really the ones that are down there on the front lines fighting the battle. They're behind the scenes. And they've got their war plans laid out. And they're strategizing and they're studying different people. They're studying people's weaknesses. They're studying the weaknesses of church. They look at a church and they find Sister Big Mouth. And they know, there we are. I've got a little soldier in the camp. And I can now get in. Amen? They find somebody that's got a Jezebel spirit. They find somebody that's a Pharisee. They find somebody that's, you know, whatever. But they strategize and they plan. And, and then once they, once they figure out, okay, here's the weaknesses. And now I've drawn up a battle plan. Then they'll release it. And the hordes of hell begin to march. And what it is, that's the powers. See, the principalities are the ones that sit back, but the powers are the ones that start carrying it out. The principality is the architect, but the powers are the ones that go in it with the hammer and nails and carry out the work. If that makes sense. And sometimes, please hear me, you may go through several different battles and different fronts. You may be facing something from your past. You may be facing something generationally. And then you're facing something in your workplace or your school. And you're facing something in your region. And when you're dealing with that, you've got to let the Lord begin to help you and bring revelation. You know, you know why the enemy has power a lot of times? Because they're hidden in dark places. Once the Lord begins to bring revelation, it will expose them and break their power. And I just want to say prophetically, and I want you guys to hear me, that there's strategies of heaven that God is downloading in this ministry, and there's a fullness of time. For the Lord would say to this ministry that it's not time yet for the prophesied revival in Dallas, but it's coming. But the Lord would say to River of Life that you've been faithful, and because of your faithfulness, strategies are being downloaded into your spirit, and you're going to begin to take territories for the kingdom. There's prophecies the Lord would say that are hanging over you that are about to come to pass. It's at the door.
And so whenever you're going through these battles, you've got to understand something. I know that this, I'm hoping that I, I can present this in a way that it's not over people's head. But you've got to deal with the strong man first and work your way down. You never start from the bottom up. You know, people many times are hacking at the branches. And they're frustrated because they're like, okay, there's this stubborn issue. What's going on? They're just hacking away at it, you know. And if they would let the Lord deal with the strong man, it would be laying the axe to the root. Are you hearing me? Some of you, some of you that are listening, there's a strong man that's been behind the scenes. And you've been frustrated. You've been frustrated about what's going on. I haven't got a breakthrough. And I feel the Lord would say to you that you need to deal with the strong man. You need to let the Holy Spirit reveal to you. That's one of the biggest keys to breakthrough is revelation. I want to deal with personal sins now and teach you about getting a breakthrough in these areas. I don't know about you, but I want to press into what Jesus paid for me to have. I, I don't want any area of my life to be in bondage to the enemy. I don't want any area of my home or my family or my finances. I don't want any area of my health. I don't want any area of the ministry. No matter what the enemy throws at me, I want to press through into the freedom that Jesus paid for me to have. But here's some areas where you as an individual may need a breakthrough. Number one is generational curses. What does it look like in your family? What does it look like? Is your family full of people that are on fire for God and living right? Are you seeing in your family different issues like this? Do you see in your family a history of mental or physical breakdown? Mental being the destruction of the mind or physical breakdown being the destruction of the body? Are you seeing repeated chronic sickness and disease? Do you see a barrenness or a tendency to miscarry? Do you see a lot of divorce, strife, and family alienation? People won't talk to each other. They fight all the time. Do you see financial poverty, famine, or continual financial stress in your family? Are people accident prone? There's repeated unexplained accidents. I could give a lot of stories on each of these, but I'm trying to move forward. But I've seen this. I've seen people that in their family you see a history of mental and physical breakdown. You see chronic sickness and disease where it's just one thing after the other. They never seem to get victory. They go from one thing to the next. I've seen uh, families where there's a barrenness or a tendency to miscarry. And I've, seen, I've heard stories of people... That have had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And it's so sad, but you know that it's a spirit behind it. I've seen families where divorce and strife plagues the whole family. They can't even get together and grill a hot dog without somebody smarting off and another person taking a swing. And then the next thing you know, there's, there's you know, police sirens and the, the cops are at the door. You laugh, but it's not funny. I know people like that. And I thank God my family wasn't that way. 
But I know that there are families that dealt with that. And I've also seen people that financially speaking, there was poverty, there was a curse of poverty and a spirit of poverty over that family. And you can see a spirit of poverty because it will, it will cause people to be in bondage to welfare many times and they feel like that they can never get ahead. Things elude them. You know, the Bible talks about holes in your pockets. It's like every time they get something, it just goes. They buy something, next thing you know, it, it's ruined or whatever. And when you're around poverty, there, there's something about it that it, it, has, it has a feel to it. And also you can see, I've heard stories of people that families were accident prone. There was repeated unexplained accidents. Where, I mean, just weird stuff. Weird stuff I've heard. Where a family member died a certain way at a young age and then another family member died the same way. And you're sitting there and then you think, well, that's weird. And then it happened two or three more times. Just weird accidents. Things that shouldn't have happened. And then, of course, a history. Here's another sign, number seven, a history of suicide or early deaths in the family. Do you see your family having long lifespans or do you see people dying young? These are signs of a curse. But the Lord came and he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. And the punishment that brought peace was upon him. And by his stripes you're healed. But I'm going to tell you Galatians 3.13. Christ came to redeem you from the curse of the law. I always chuckle at the, the naive people out there that say, Well, you know, if somebody's a Christian, how can they have any demonic bondage or curse or anything else? It's like, okay, well Jesus came by his stripes you're healed. So how come they're sick Christians? Some of the statements they're making are stupid. Why be stupid? You know? It's like Jesus came to pay for our sickness. Why are people sick? I laugh at people sometimes. I'm sitting there thinking, good grief, man. What is wrong with people? So when Jesus came, he came to break the power of sickness, but he also came to break the power of curses and demonic spirits. And works of Satan. But it's something that's got to be taken by faith. Amen? Alright, so generational curses. Generational curses come because of sin in the bloodline. Uh, in your family ancestry, there was probably the worship of other gods or idolatry, occult practices, witchcraft, maybe sexual sins, broken vows... Freemasonry, the Catholic Church, or shedding innocent blood. I should have put that in there. Murder, abortion, things like that. These bring generational curses. And what happens is, is a curse is there, and it's plaguing a family, and it's causing all this stuff to happen. And because of the curse being there, there are spirits that are at work. And the Bible calls them familiar spirits because they're familiar with the family. That's why it's no mystery that some, you know, madam whatever weirdo that does the psychic readings, you know, it's no mystery that she can, you know, know things because when the person comes in to see her, first off, they're in sin. 
So they're coming to her and they've got their little familiars that followed them in there. And the little familiars that followed them in there are telling the witch things about their life. Amen? But it's not some big mystery or secret. They're just talking to demons. I don't want to talk to demons. I want to talk to Jesus. Another thing that opens the door for the enemy in people's lives is they're believing the lies of the enemy. Maybe personal lies, deceptions, however it works. They're believing something that the enemy told them. And a lot of times this stuff attacks them at a young age. That's why I'm telling you that Satan is after kids big time. And you really need to pray for your kids and you need to bless them. And it's serious. Because the enemy knows that children are in a vulnerable place. Right now, you and I as adults... You know, we can process and reason and be rational about things. Kids aren't there. And they know that they're at a vulnerable place. And the enemy attacks them. I remember sometimes, you know, the Lord brings revelation. Sometimes people don't fully understand certain things. And God has to help them. But I remember, you know, hearing back years ago, the Lord would speak to me, but also through others about, you know, profanity being in your house through movies, things like that. And and people are like, well, what's the big deal? But you got to understand, it's not whether or not you said it. It's the fact that it's being communicated into your house. And so here these, these words are being spoken to the atmosphere of your house. And it starts affecting the atmosphere of your house. And I don't know about you, but I want the atmosphere of heaven in my house. I don't want the atmosphere of the enemy. And you start letting these things being spoke into your house, like the F word, and all of a sudden people are starting to have dreams and weird stuff and they're struggling with lust. Well, little wonder, because there's something being spoke into your house. And then I remember reading one time this teacher was talking about touching the unclean and talking about touching things that are from the occult or whatever not to do that. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I mean... What's the thing with that? I didn't understand, but the Lord began to teach me about the difference between personal sin and being defiled by something. There's a difference. Just because you're not living in sin doesn't mean that something can't defile you. Are you hearing me? You can get washed clean, but if you go outside and you pick up manure and you put it back down, it's still going to be on your hand till you wash it. And many times people are touching and they're around things that, that are demonic and satanic and they're being defiled by things literally a woman can even be defiled by some pervert that she works with that is lusting after her and speaking things out of the, out of his mouth well amen and i remember the lord speaking to me one time about children's movies and i thought man what in the world i wrote about it but it took me a little while to really fully understand what the lord was trying to say to me and the Lord was showing me about how a lot of these magical, you know, my mythical fairy tales and stuff, he said that it's a stepping stone toward the occult. That's what he told me. And I remember thinking, okay, well, whenever he told me that, I was just like, get anything out that's got anything to do with that out. But then I began to understand it's not just the fact of it being this horrible atrocity. It's the fact, though, that young people, these young, impressionable kids especially, begin to get fascinated with magic and and all this stuff and these fairy tales. And, and all of a sudden, they go from that towards something like Harry Potter. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a stepping stone that direction. You need to be careful. Because kids are impressionable. And they don't know any better. And they need somebody to look out for them. 
And while I'm on it, I've been wanting to say something about this anyway to the core group. But as the church continues to grow and we enter a new wave and all this is going on, and I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page about different things. Number one is we just don't celebrate Halloween in this church. Okay? And that's just the way it is. That's the way it is now and that's the way it's going to be then. You know, and there may be somebody that don't like that, but that's, that's tough. And what they do at home, that's their business. That's between them and God. But as far as the church, we're, just, we're not going to celebrate Halloween. You know, I grieve about these churches that they'll, they'll, they have these, these events. But you know, seriously, there's churches that will have some fake fortune teller over here. And it's like a game, and kids go to them. And I'm thinking, how is anything good going to come out of that? You know, you're teaching your kids this filth and, and celebrating something that's pagan. And even with Christmas, I love what Sandy does. She, she takes the kids and is, you know, bakes like a, a happy birthday cake for Jesus, getting their mind on Jesus. But even with the church, as we, as we continue to move forward, it's not going to be a big emphasis on Santa Claus. It's not going to be a big emphasis on, you know, little elves. You know, we're not going to have a children's church full of little elves running around, okay? And some, you know, some fat guy coming in in a suit. We're going to be, we're going to be talking about Jesus. Amen? What people do at home is what they want to do at home. I mean, they, somebody, guy wants to slide down the chimney and get stuck or whatever and come down and... Whatever. But I'm being serious about it. I'm not going to have like a real emphasis on the stuff that Christmas is not about. Christmas is about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something else um, about Easter. There's not going to be a big emphasis. We're not going to have a little Easter money bouncing around and, and doing, the, doing the Easter egg stuff because it doesn't have anything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it do, listen, it doesn't take a lot for somebody to research and find out that that stuff is from pagan lore. It, it's something that goes back to the god Ishtar. And we can all thank the Catholic Church for bringing it into Christianity. But the, it's, not, it's not in the Bible. There's not an Easter bunny in the Bible. It's not there. Okay? And we're just not doing it. We're gonna, and what Sandy did this last Easter was had the kids make a, a cross cake. And talked about Jesus. And, and they did that event. They talked about why he came. You know, and I'm going to tell you, it grieves my heart because, you know, I was around a group of kids and I'd asked them, it was just me and them, and I'd asked them, hey, do you guys know what Easter's about? And they're all, oh, it's about the Easter bunny and all this stuff. And I was like, no, it's not. I said, how many of you guys are going to go to church? And they're all like, boo, we're not going to church. We're going to go on an Easter egg hunt. And I'm sitting there going, that's sad. I'm like, and this is my first thought. This may tick somebody off. I said, what in the world's wrong with their parents? They didn't get that on their own, they, you know. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world? So I started talking to him. I said, no, Easter's about Jesus. Okay, he came to the world and I told him who Jesus is. And they're listening to me. I had them repeat it back and I told them why he died. You know, and so when I'm done with them, they're all like, I'm, I'm asking them, you know, who's Jesus? He's the son of God, you know, and why did he come? To die for my sins. And so now they know. But it's like, that's what Easter's about. So see, you can see how Satan is getting people's minds off Jesus. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of discernment. Well, that was a rabbit trail. An Easter Bunny rabbit trail, to be more specific. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's bring it on. Preach it.
So anyway, let's keep going. So I want to talk a few more things. We're going to wind this down. Word curses. What you speak of yourself and what other people speak is very powerful. The Bible says life and death is in your tongue. And you reap what you sow. If you're speaking things over yourself, don't be surprised when you reap it. Also, personal idolatry is a big door for the enemy. Anything that has your affections, your emotions, your desires, it has your heart. It's more important to you than the Lord. You're putting your faith in it. That is an idol. The occult. Anything that has to do with the occult, which is the dark arts, has to do with witchcraft, divination, sorcery, is a huge door for demon spirits and curses. Your personal sins. Real quick, let me read these off. Unforgiveness. If you don't forgive others, you're not going to be forgiven. And that is a huge door for the enemy. Sexual sins. The Bible says the two become one. Every, any, listen, any sex outside of marriage of any kind between a husband and a wife, I don't care what it is, it is sin. The Bible says that looking with lust is sin. So therefore, pornography, masturbation, these things are sin. Okay, let's call it like it is. And it's opening the door for curses and spirits. And since the two become one, there's people through sex that are bonding. And there's these ties that are forming in their life. You lose part of yourself into that person and they lose part of themselves into you. It's a tie. It's a becoming one. And people that do that, they wonder why that after they start sleeping around that they're not themselves really anymore. They, they have a hard time um, expressing affection and, and they, they just they've lost so much of themselves to other people and the Lord wants to restore that back and sever those ties amen also drugs anything that brings bondage or addiction anything that controls you is not of God and it can bring a, a spirit about it in your life I've heard of people that are addicted they get addicted to gambling I don't understand it and I never have been but they are there's people that are addicted to it so anything that controls you, marking the body, the Bible says not to do it, uh, tattoos, piercings, I have prayed for people that, that have branded themselves through um, some kind of weird gang initiation, they burned themselves, and when we anointed that and prayed over them, they were delivered of a demon. I've prayed with people that have tried to commit suicide and they had scars on their wrist, and we anointed that and prayed over them, and a spirit of suicide left their life. There's something about marking the body, tattoos, piercings, cutting you know, oneself that is a door for spirits. And I realize that people think it's cool to get tattoos. But what does the Bible say? Who is the God, the temporary little G God of this world? Satan. Amen? When Jesus comes back, he's taken over. But it's little wonder why there's all these fads and styles that go directly against the Bible. Amen? Just because people are into it doesn't mean that it's of God and that it's safe. The Bible, interestingly enough, uses the word for sorcery, is the word pharmakeus or pharmakeia. And it's like in Revelation 21.8. And it's actually where we get the word pharmacy and has to do with drugs. So there's a connection between drugs and sorcery in the Bible. In times past, people that were in the occult would take mind-altering drugs in their satanic rituals to make them more sensitive to the spirit realm. Black magic, witchcraft, 
The Bible talks about a python spirit. I'm going to go into more detail later on in this series. But any time, you know, you can be affected by this stuff. If you're targeted by witchcraft, you can be affected. In 2 Kings 3.27, the children of Israel had broken through. And they, they were, I mean, they were whipping Moab. They were tearing them up. And they were pressing into Moab. They were defeating them. And the king of Moab got serious. He got scared. And it said he took his firstborn son on the wall of his castle there. He took him and he sacrificed him right there to his demon god that he worshipped. And the Bible says that when he did that, great wrath was released against Israel. And the Israelites stopped their forward progression and they began to disperse and go home. Did everybody catch that? That's the power of witchcraft that came against Israel that day. Friendly fire. And you got to love this. These are those that are Christians, but they like to shoot off at the mouth and talk about others and pray against other people. Listen, witchcraft is praying against other people and speaking evil against other people. Okay? It's control. It's manipulation. And you know, I remember hearing stories. There was this one person, this, this weird lady. Everybody, everybody say weird lady. Okay, she thought that, you know, the pastor's wife was not good enough for the pastor. Yeah. And so she's an, she claimed to be an intercessor and a prophetess like they all do. Anyway, and so she decided she would start praying that the pastor's wife would die so that they could get married. Because she felt that was God's will. Everybody say weird lady. This is a weird lady. And so she was praying and she was using witchcraft. Now listen, the pastor's wife got really sick, like deathly sick. And as they were praying and fasting about what the problem was, they, they, God revealed to them what this lady was doing. She was operating in witchcraft. And they confronted her. She left. And as soon as she left and that was broken, the pastor's wife made a miraculous recovery. That's friendly fire. That, that's friendly fire is a military term of when, when your own military accidentally shoots you. It's friendly fire. That's what they mean by that. But it's people that are supposed to be Christians, that are supposed to be your comrades in battle, that are firing at you. Okay? And then satanic objects. Listen, what you have in your life, next week I want you to come back. I'm going to talk about the house. I'm going to talk about what's in your house. Okay? But satanic objects... You know, just like you can take a DVD, a CD, something that's a worship CD, and there's a holy anointing on it. It'll release God's presence. You can play it. You can feel the power of God. There are certain things that have a satanic anointing on it, if I could use that terminology. And once you're, you're it's a music thing, it's a video game, it's a movie, it's, it's, it's some kind of an object. If it's, if it's a little statue of Buddha, you know, whatever it is that they're bringing in their home, it's got something attached to it. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7.26 that if you have these accursed things in your home, that you can be destroyed with it. That's what it says. And so what you have in your house is a huge door for the enemy if it's satanic. Anything like pentagrams and goat's heads, things that go back to Satan worship and witchcraft. Anything that has to do with sexual perversions, pornographic. These things, people are sitting there watching something, but they don't realize that as they're watching it on the computer, they're watching YouTube or whatever, they're watching it on a movie, they don't realize that, that spirits are being loosed right into their house. 
So satanic objects, anything connected to other gods, Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever, anything connected to Freemasonry, the aprons, things that go back to, to temples where other gods are worshipped, these type of things. You need to clean house and make sure there's nothing there. Because I'm telling you, that's, that's a major door. Alright, God wants to see people free and see these things broken. Amen? Curses can be broken off your life, off your finances, off your health. Where there's been structures, there's been spiritual strongholds. It's like structures that are in family lines. They're in your life or whatever. The Lord wants to break that curse and break down those structures and drive away that spirit and you can get freedom. That's what he came... When Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood, that is what he was shedding his blood for. Not just your sins to be forgiven, but that the power of sin be broken and the enemy be defeated in your life. That's why he did this. He paid a dear price. But Satan erects structures, strongholds, where there's a strong man... And under that strong man are others that are in an order. It's a rank. And there's strongholds. And it's set up against people. Set up against families. Set up against churches. The 2 Corinthians 10.4 says to bring every thought captive and to pull down strongholds. See, bringing your thought life captive and pulling down strongholds go together. So whether it's generational, whether it's geographical, whatever it is. Satan loves to attack people's health, their relationships, their finances. He wants to bring restriction. Alright, I'm closing with this and we're going to pray. You guys ready to help me pray? Signs that there's possibly a demon at work in your life. Fits of rage. Constant headaches or migraines. Insomnia. Incurable diseases. Fears. Like irrational fears and phobias. Various forms of mental illness, seizures. These can be, I understand that sometimes these may not be, but these can be a strong sign of a spirit at work. Suicidal thoughts. Female problems. I'm talking about with reproductive organs. Depression. Addictions. Fascination with the occult. Nightmares. Hearing voices. Seeing scary visions. Stubborn arrogance. Compulsive, I'm sorry, compulsive dishonesty. Anytime you see compulsions and obsessions, somebody's obsessed with something, or they have a compulsive drive towards something, that's a really good sign it's a spirit. Marital problems can be demonic. Dizziness or fainting that's unexplained can be demonic. And sharp, unexplained pains in various parts of the body can be. Now let me say this too, it's an interesting scripture in Deuteronomy 23.2. It talks about somebody that's conceived out of wedlock. It says there's a curse that they cannot enter the assembly of the Lord down to the 10th generation. What that is, it's something working against them to where it's trying to hinder them from ever going to church and ever coming to know Christ. That's a powerful curse. I saw that curse one time at work in a young lady. It was sad. She had the hardest time coming to know the Lord. And now, knowing now what I know, I wish I had all this revelation way back then because I probably could have helped her. But her family, it was like the other 
kids could do fine. It was it was because it was something to do with this being conceived out of wedlock business and that curse. She just had something there that was a wall. But God deals in layers when it comes to inner healing, deliverance, and spiritual warfare. He deals in layers. Everybody say that layers. He deals in layers. He will deal with something and wipe it away. And then something else will come up and he'll deal with that and wipe it away. And then something else will come up. But what he's doing is the Lord is dealing many times with the strong man down. He's going down the hierarchy. And many times he's dealing with layers because you've got to understand. Somebody's complaining about a spirit of infirmity. But it may be the anger problem in their life that needs to get dealt with. That anger is why there's a spirit of infirmity. And so they're sitting here asking the Lord to deal with the spirit of infirmity. They're arguing about it. They're rebuking it. They're praying and they're sitting there. And all of a sudden one day the Lord says, deal with your anger. That's the root problem. And they deal with that and it goes. You see what I'm saying? See, it's important to get revelation. Revelation brings breakthrough. And God will deal with it in layers. I remember hearing the story about a man that, see, spirits many times will link. And there can be a spirit of addiction, but it will link itself maybe with a spirit of death. Let me explain. There was a true story about a guy I knew that um, he, had, he had smoked all of his life and since he was for 40 years or whatever. And he just got old enough to retire and had retired. Had bought this, this beautiful house on a lake. I mean, it was just ready to enjoy his grandkids and his life. And then cancer hit him and he died right then at the onset. But see, what happened was that spirit that was connected to the addiction had connected itself with a spirit of death and took him down. Did everybody get that? They link. Somebody can, you got to understand, once somebody, maybe, maybe they go through something difficult in life and they struggle with depression. That's one thing, to be depressed and then get over it. But the enemy will come in and try to give them suicidal thoughts. And they really go down into a deep, dark place of wanting to die. That place is a dangerous place. And there's many people that I've prayed with over the years that there's a spirit of death that's in their life and it goes back to a time where they wanted to die. That's when it came in. There's other people that have had abortions. And they've opened the door for a spirit of death in their life, a spirit of murder. And one thing can be linked to another. You hear me? There's one issue over here, but it links together with another issue. And it, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about structures. The enemy has a strong man and there's like these structures that are set up against you. But how many knows that Jesus' blood is enough? In the power of the Holy Spirit, there's not a demon in hell and neither, neither Satan himself that even has a chance when the Holy Ghost shows up. Amen? Right. Listen, people try to talk about the devil like he's something. On, on Judgment Day, there's going to be an angel that's going to take down the devil. That's it. God's not going to get off his throne. He's not going to break a sweat. There's not going to be a bead of sweat coming down God's forehead. Okay, there's going to be an angel that takes him down. So quit making the devil sound like he's bigger than what he is. Okay? 
But God wants us to walk in freedom. We're going to pray here in just a moment. We've got to walk in forgiveness. If you want to live free, you've got to walk in forgiveness, live a righteous life. You need to have a powerful prayer life. You need to start blessing those that curse you and pray for those that wrong you. You need to keep a spiritually clean home. Take communion regularly. The power of speaking faith, confessions, and blessings. Learn to get to know the Holy Spirit and His ways. You need to be anointed. A lot of that comes from going to church. You need the anointing. And get in revival in a powerful church and stay there. I would rather be where God's moving than anywhere else. You hear what I'm saying? That's my priority. I love the phrase I heard Lyndall Cooley and I heard John Paul Jackson say, that they said, we're living a presence-driven life. My life is driven about God's presence. That's my drive, His presence. I love that. Where His presence is, that's where I want to be. I'm going to close with this and we're going to pray. You guys ready? We're going to pray and we're not just praying for those present. We're going to be praying for those that are going to watch this and that are going to listen to this. And God's going to set you free. You may be driving down the road right now. You may want to pull over. Seriously, because there's something, the power of God's about to hit you in Jesus' name. But listen, here's something too about trauma. Tonight we're going to deal with rejection and an orphan spirit. We're going to deal with trauma and lies and deceptions of the enemy. This is an interesting thing about trauma. We're about to pray. I'm just closing with this. But did you know when people go through traumatic events in life, did you know that your brain stores up every event? Your body stores physical memories. This is interesting. Your mind will store the emotions and the physical feelings such as pain, body postures, and decisions connected with the traumatic experience. Your brain remembers that. Such emotions are also manifested in the physical body. That's why people that come out of war, like Vietnam, will wake up in a cold sweat and they just, because they're, they're traumatized by the bombs and the, the death around them and all that they went through. In their mind, they remember it and their body will even react. Their heart will start racing and they'll, or they'll, they'll tense up. They feel it in their body. Their body remembers. Their, their brain remembers. But listen to this. The mind may store up even nonsensical or disconnected items such as there's a traumatic event that happens. While it's happening, there's a bird that flew through the air. There's a pair of maybe fuzzy dice that's hanging on a rearview mirror. And there's an ashtray on the table. And just, just before this thing happened, this traumatic event, and in the future, years later, years later, this may lead to a weird fear of birds. They're wondering, why am I afraid of a bird? An ashtray could become a forbidden item in a house for no logical reason. They're like, what, what do I have against ashtrays? I just don't want it here. Or they see a pair of fuzzy dice and it triggers an unexplained anxiety. They feel just weirded out at the sight of it. See, your body stores that stuff. Your mind stores these traumatic events and what's around it. And that plays a lot into um, the quality of people's lives. You know, I've seen people that, that are they're deathly afraid of water. And come to find out when they were a little kid, they almost drowned. You know, there, there's just these things. And it's like you're an adult now. You know 
that the water only goes up to here. It's not rational, but there's still something that they need to get healed of and free of. And also many times, these things, the enemy will take advantage of these traumatic events. And there can be unhealed wounds. There can even be illnesses or demonic torment attached to these things. And the Lord wants you free. So we're going to pray with faith about this right now. I want everybody out loud. I want you to say this. I want you to believe. Those that are listening, those that are watching, I want you to believe with me. I want you to pray this. Jesus, Jesus. forgive me. For any trauma I've caused on my life. I forgive others that have caused any trauma in my life. And I'm asking you right now, cleanse out and take out of me. Out of my spirit, my soul, and my body. Any trauma in Jesus' name. And I destroy any work of the devil that's been there because of this trauma. And any spirits that have tormented my life, I command you to go right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to read something over you guys. I didn't compile this uh, Don Dickerman did, but it's good. And we're, we're about to see some major breakthroughs. You guys will work with me. We're going to pray for people that are watching this and listening to this. Just agree with me as I read this. In Jesus' name, I bind any satanic spirit, any way associated with the lives of those that are hearing me right now or watching. Whether you're in them, attached to them, somehow connected to their life, I bind you in the name of Jesus and I bring you under his authority and under his blood. In fact, I speak that I curse you right now and you are defeated in Jesus' name. And I say that you will not harm them. And when you leave them, you're not going to go to somebody else. You will not split, divide, multiply, fragment, or in any way clone or pass your duties on to others. You will not use any type of demonic trickery trickery of any kind. If you've already split or divided, you will rejoin as one spirit immediately. You will not pass your duties on to other demons, nor will you call on others to help you. All demonic traffic will be one way that is straight out into the abyss. You will not use revolving doors or entry by any other means or demon powers. Whether you're hiding or sleeping, using shelves or dark corners, coming or going, floating in free circulation, you are now under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be obedient. You will not communicate with other satanic spirits at this time in any way to scheme, plot, plan, or devise a way to retain this kingdom. This kingdom will be completely and totally destroyed and defeated. You will restore everything you've stolen sevenfold. Any damage you caused, you will repair. You will put any disorders you created back in order just the way Yahweh God intends it to be. And you're going to take out anything that you've sown or caused out of their life and their family. And Satan's kingdom is bound from sending or lending any outside assistance or interference to this inside kingdom from the heavenlies or any other realms. We bind that right now. Any and all spirits that have been sent to hinder, delay, or block this deliverance will go straight into the abyss right now. I command every satanic spirit to line up in order of rank. I separate the highest ranking demons from any others. And I command you in Jesus' name that you are bound and you're going to leave their life. And do as you've been commanded. Man, I feel that starting to stir right there. They're defeated. And I speak that out. They are defeated by the blood of Jesus. I didn't understand all this when I first read it about the 
the splitting, cloning, shelves, all that stuff. But I don't, look, all I know is if there's something there, we bind it in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm going to lead you guys in some prayers. You guys ready? I want you guys, those that are listening or watching, I want you to pray this. There's going to be some major breakthroughs in your life right now. We're going to deal with the bloodline first and go down. Ready? In Jesus' name, name, I renounce renounce all other gods, gods, idolatry, idolatry, and the worship of any God God, other than the God of Abraham. Abraham. I ask forgiveness forgiveness and renounce renounce the occult, any witchcraft, divination, or sorcery. I renounce Freemasonry, all of its branches, its ceremonies, and its rituals. I renounce the ungodly practices of the Native American Indians, bloodshed, idolatry, witchcraft, I also renounce Catholicism, all of its idolatry, paganism, communicating with the dead, Catholic communion, the rosary, and all their practices. I renounce drugs, alcohol, tobacco, all bondages. And addictions. I ask forgiveness for all these horrible things, these sins I've committed against you. Forgive me, Lord, for any idols, the occult, the drug use, alcohol abuse, tobacco use. Forgive me. For all sexual sins in my life. Wash me. Sever every tie that's not of you. I repent of wanting to die. Abortions, hatred, murder, violence, or racism. Forgive me for any ungodly pride. Ungodly fear, fear. rebellion, Rebellion. lust, Lust. pornography, Pornography. any ungodly anger, anger. hatred, Hatred. rage, Rage. or ungodly control, control. any marking the body, body. tattoos and piercings, piercings. anything else, else. wash me in your blood. I renounce any satanic objects. And I renounce and take back anything I've spoken over myself or others. That was not God's will. I break those curses. Anything that's been spoken over me that's not the will of God. I break it off my life. And forgive me, Lord, for any dishonesty, criminal activity, all the different sins, rebellion, 
iniquity, and idolatry that's been in my life. Forgive me for anything that has defiled me. Where my affections, my desires, my emotions were set on other things other than you. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I break any curse, any yoke, any stronghold, any work of the devil off my life. And I repent of all these things on behalf of my family and my ancestors. And I break any generational curse or work of the, of the devil or yoke that's been generational. I break it now. Command every satanic spirit to leave my life and do as you've been commanded. Spirits of lust, witchcraft, idolatry, Jezebel, Ahab, murder, death, infirmity, self-hatred, rejection, orphan spirit, divination, python, Intimidation, fears and phobias, sexual perversions, occult spirits, leave right now in Jesus' name for me and my family. Jesus paid for my freedom. And I ask you, Jesus, wash me. Wash my spirit. Clean from any from any defilement. Wash my soul area in your blood. Cleanse my body. Wash with your blood. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill these areas and change me. Bring sanctification. Bring change. Bring breakthrough. Let your angels be released, Father. That will dismantle, destroy, and break through. Anything of the devil's kingdom. Drive out what needs to go. And bring freedom. Right now. And Father God, I ask you for justice. Satan is a thief. And I come before you. You're a righteous judge. And I ask you for vindication. That what the enemy has damaged will be repaired. In my life, my family, that what the enemy has stolen from me and my ancestors be restored sevenfold. 
Any disorders? Any disorders. Put back in order. And there'll be freedom. I ask you for justice against my adversaries right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. I thank you for your blood that washes me clean. I thank you the enemy is leaving. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for sending angels. Thank you for changing me. Giving me a love for what you love. And a hatred for what you hate. Giving me a new heart. A new mind. A new way of thinking. New desires. I surrender it to you. Transform my life. Cleanse me. And set me free. All who call on your name will be saved. And that means delivered. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Father God, I lift up those within the sound of my voice. And I just serve notice that I break every curse, every yoke, every stronghold, every work of Satan. I break it right now. And some of you that are listening to this and watching this, I can see the freedom right there. It's like some of you are coughing and you're feeling something lift. And I want to speak out right now. I also see somebody that had been in a car accident and you, your body had been damaged and you really you should have already been healed. But there was a trauma. There was something there. And Lord, I thank you within the sound of my voice. People are being healed, spirit, soul, and body from any trauma right now. That's being healed. And I want to come against rejection in an orphan spirit. And I break every curse and yoke that has to do with a rejection or an orphan spirit. I break that. I command addictions and bondages that have been there be broken right now. I come against witchcraft curses. I break it. And some of you that are listening to this and watching this, this may be kind of different. I realize that it's, it's controversial. It's different. But you're sensing something going on. As some of you have even had witchcraft come against you. And I'm going to agree with you. That any curse, spell, ritual, incantation, anything that's been released against you through the dark arts and witchcraft, Father, I break it right now off their lives. In Jesus' name, I cancel it. And I command satanic spirits to be bound. Gather up your kingdom and go right now. In Jesus' name. You know, I didn't really, when I was saying earlier, I didn't fully understand when I first read that what Don Dickerman wrote about those things, but you know, they have done so many thousands and thousands of deliverance that I'm sure that he's run across some kind of splitting or dividing or whatever, you know, the cloning and the shelves and all that stuff. I don't understand it, but I'm sure that they've confronted it. That's why they wrote it down. Whew, man. Let me all feel that. The anointing's here. The anointing for breakthrough. So Lord, I thank you for a shift right now, and I want to pray with people that are here. There's a breakthrough, and I, I feel the Lord saying that he showed me before service that there was something opening up, and he was pulling out. It was like a, a black pulling out of people's lives. It was a tunnel, some kind of a, a hole that opened, and God was like pulling out and driving out. And there's a new level of breakthrough and freedom. And some of you, there's still been some little lingering things, and I feel tonight's the night. I'm going to pray with everybody that wants prayer. But listen... 
get in on this because this can determine the quality of your life, okay? So we're going to go ahead and cut off the recordings, but I want to pray for those that are present. We're going to put on some worship. <laughs> 